0: Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands. In this episode, we have special guest, Senator Ron Young. Senator Young was the only dissenting vote when HB 1283 was voted on in the Senate. He's in studio today to talk about his vote and his feelings on craft beer in Maryland. Well, first, Senator Young, I'd really like to thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to me about beer. I know it's something people hardly like to discuss. <laughs> so, there's a lot of... guess it could be described as controversy this year over a house bill that by at least the perspective of beer enthusiasts kind of snuck through i had had uh ben savage a flying dog on and we talked about all the different legislation was going through and at that time the thought was that 1420 was what everyone hoped was going to make it through the guinness diageo bill looked like it was probably going to make its way through one of those two and then all of a sudden 1283 was amended and passed through unanimously and then thankfully um the senate made amendments um and you were the only one who although symbolically voted against it so i'd just like to get your take on what happened
1: well uh, it got over to the Senate. The breweries were not happy with the bill at all. And to tell you the truth, that was very difficult. I met with about a dozen breweries, and each one of them had a different idea what they wanted. And uh, the bill got there to us. And I'm supposedly chairman of the alcohol committee in the Senate, but I didn't get included on anything. neither did the chairman in the House uh they got the lobbyists from the distributors and the wholesalers and the retailers and all together and uh with Diagelo for uh Guinness and they came up with this what I think is a contorted compromise um they did give some things back they left the hours for the existing breweries as they are but for the new breweries it's uh, 10 o'clock every night um, they put uh, they allowed everybody 2,000 barrels that they could serve from their tasting room uh, and they could buy an additional 1,000 from a wholesaler now, this is one of the crazy things for somebody like uh, Flying Dog they used 2,000 barrels and they want another 1,000 they got to put it on a truck ship it down to a wholesaler who takes it off the truck then he puts it back on a truck and ships it back up to flying dog and they pay 50 percent more for to buy their beer back and you know i think that's that's really crazy especially in this
0: day and age where we're looking for ways to conserve energy and stuff and we've legislated a way to force people to drive beer back and forth
1: yeah um i would have been happy if we just raised the cap on how many barrels you know most of the breweries aren't going to use it anyhow I actually came up with the sliding scale that I thought made sense but the breweries objected to that and that was based on you could sell a percentage of what you brewed and the bigger you got the more you could sell but even flying dog came back and said no everybody should have the same thing well most of the small brewers don't even brew 2000 barrels. So yeah, they're, they're they It's going to
0: be a long time before they would yeah. see that
1: some of them never will yeah. and they don't need it. So I thought a flying a sliding scale was good, but, uh, very frankly, most places don't even have a cap at all or it's very high. And I would have just assumed they would pass something at four or 5,000 barrels and let everybody have it. And, Flying Dog and uh, Diagello were the only two that would need it, and maybe someday somebody else would grow into it or another one would move here. Um, I I didn't like the hours they put on the other side, but I I do really think there should be a cap on the hours. I know of a brewery that was talking about brewing 10 gallons a year, and then they were going to bring beer in that's not a brewery that's a bar yeah and uh i thought something like 10 during the week and 12 on the weekends would have worked fine so uh anyhow i i just felt all they were concerned about it was a special interest bill for guinness and i argued that their capacity is going to be a hundred thousand gallons they're going to bring in a lot of beer from overseas Flying Dog brews it here, and they're talking about expanding the 700,000 gallons. Uh, I think, thought they deserved more uh, consideration than they got. It's like they were, a, a, you know, a weak sister or something. And uh, it's a local brewery that's basically grown up here since they moved here. And I think we, you can't give preferential treatment.
0: Yeah, even though they didn't. They started in Colorado. Uh, right. They still, I mean, it kind of almost reset when they, they moved here.
1: They kind they, of became who they are when they yeah, got here. Yeah.
0: And they've completely embraced being in Frederick and being Maryland. They're, yes. Like, if you didn't know that they started someplace else, you wouldn't think that they.
1: I mean, they're totally a community beer, a state beer. Uh, and to give an indication of how good it is, you know how Germans are about their beer? Yeah. I saw flying dog in Germany. <laughs> now, if they import flying dog, it's a good bear. <laughs> yeah. So
0: you had said that you weren't involved with, with the lobbyists coming and talking and working out the amendments. Would it, Would you consider that highly unusual that as being the head of that committee that you wouldn't be involved?
1: I would have thought Charlie Barkley in the House and I should have been involved uh, more than we were, which was very little
0: you think that was intentional because oh, yeah. you would be Absolutely. too in favor of helping Absolutely. the breweries?
1: We have this three-tier system in Maryland, and very frankly, over the years, the retailers and the wholesalers distributors have had stronger lobbyists than the breweries are new. And uh, I don't think they got as much consideration.
0: And the, there were kind of rumblings and allegations that maybe the in the house that there was deception because there were it was being called a compromise bill however breweries said they were completely unaware uh, of what was even put in there but the um, representatives were told that the breweries agreed to it if do you have you heard any thing about that like
1: no do, i you know don't want to get too political but yeah. several of the republicans in the house that stay where i stay oh, they knew the conditions when they came here. These are guys that say they're pro-business. They shouldn't be able to sell anymore at all. And uh, I yeah, I thought you were pro-business. Well, they probably were getting more contributions from
0: the... It depends on which business has a
1: bigger... uh, I I really do, for example, want to protect the small retail stores. Uh, I've been in a total wine store down in florida god they're fabulous stores and i said man that would be nice at home but if if we had a, a eight or ten of those in maryland two-thirds of the little stores would close up and i do like trying to protect small business and, In
0: in, and i obviously don't know every um beer retailer uh but there are there are beer retailers like out towards um maryland there's whiteys and they they do a video series about beers and one of their hosts had signs stickers and stuff like they were against it also because i'm assuming they feel like if you're hurting the breweries you're hurting them also yeah so it it just seemed it seemed kind of weird that no one who was against helping the breweries was speaking out like I was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Well, you well, I, I mean took some flack for it too. <laughs> well, the, the I mean the pro the pro brewery group was very vocal. Yeah. It was the it was the support of the wholesalers and retailers. But so, the only thing I ever even heard were retailers who were still pro brewery.
1: Yeah. But uh, the,
0: their lobbyists were pre- protecting them in their mind. So your your um, dissenting vote was purely just you, you saying, not that you didn't want breweries to I, gain an advantage. It I was... got up
1: on the floor and said I was glad to see Guinness here. I welcomed them. I hope we brought more of them in. Uh, I thought it was a special interest bill, though, and it wasn't balanced and fair. And I was going to vote against it. And, and I did. I was the only one. Uh, actually, about 10 or 12 delegates did on the other side. And uh, I I got a little uh, backlash from that.
0: What kind of backlash?
1: Well, I tried to submit an amendment, and I got cut off. Didn't, oh. didn't even get to do it. So we have a thing there. If you want, after a vote, you can stand up and explain why you voted. And I wanted to stand up and explain why I did. And like I said, I wanted to welcome Guinness and, and whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> The president, I, st- I was the first one to stand up, and someone else stood up and he called on them, and then someone else called up and he called. I, th- I think he called on ten people before me, and it, it was telling me something. He didn't like it.
0: So, are you are you planning to be part of the task force? To... I,
1: I'm on the task force. Okay. Yeah. How
0: is is that task force already formed or would be still I, I growing? I think
1: they're going to probably announce it by the end of next week, and it's a, it's going to be a big task force. Okay. And they're going to have seven meetings around the state, and I know we can't all make them all, but I'll try to make what I can.
0: So, is your hope that maybe next year there could be? Uh,
1: They've got the same obstacles. I, whether they can build some momentum that changes things, I, I don't know. I, that's the purpose. Um, but the roadblocks will still, still there. be
0: there again. Well, hopefully, maybe something will come out of the task force to. Build momentum to help level the playing field because, yeah. um, I guess, a, like a big part of the fear is that our neighbors to the south are openly welcoming breweries there. Yeah,
1: and, yeah,
0: and I I assume that you view breweries the same way is that they they have been vital in a lot of areas of just rejuvenating towns, yeah. bringing tourism, commerce, and.
1: Um, um, you know, I worked for years in revitalizing downtown Frederick, And you, you, we made a decision way back when. It'll never be the retail center again. It can't compete with the shopping malls and strip centers and whatever. So we said, what can it be? And we built it around restaurants and entertainment and specialty shops and keeping government downtown and uh, things that you can attract, you know. A small brewery falls into that classification. Uh, the little wine shops downtown. I mean, we've got uh, Vino and Market Street and the wine kitchen And we didn't used to have things like that. And it's a it's a kind of thing that attracts tourists and makes the downtown work.
0: Okay. Well, I want to thank you once again for giving me some of your time, and was hoping maybe we could end with um, your uh, beer joke.
1: Oh, well, I said, uh, two Germans and American walk into a bar and the bartender says, can I help you gentlemen? And the American said, I'll have a Budweiser. And the two Germans said, well, have a glass of water. And the American turns to the Germans and said, aren't you guys drinking?
0: And they said, not if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you for your time. Sure. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Collin and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.